This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, This is Lisa McBride. I'm the Director of Member Relations here at RMA, and I uh, would just like to welcome you all and thank you for joining us on our call today, our Young Professionals Audio Conference, The Entrepreneurial Way. Um, Our series of Young Professionals Audio Conferences are brought to you by our Young Professionals Committee, and this is our national committee made up of young professionals from across the country and Canada, and um, this group works on several different ways that we can enhance member value to our younger members. Um, One of the things we do are these audio conferences, which are held twice a year, so this is our second call this fiscal year. Uh, We are looking to add some more calls. Um, one in the fall and one in the spring. So if you have any ideas on topics that you'd like to hear on these calls, please let us know. The chair of the Young Professionals Committee is Ian Worrell, and Ian is also on the line, and he'll be wrapping up at the end of the call. Please feel free to ask any questions that you have at the end of this call. So with that, I'd like to introduce our speaker today. Our speaker is Kiki Letaliet. She is the CEO and founder of Amplified Growth, which is a digital marketing consultancy specializing in social media, SEO, and influencer marketing. She also hosts Association Chat, which is an online community and weekly live-streamed podcast, which is association-centric news and education outlet, which has run since 2009. And along with social media strategy, Kiki provides specialized social media training to the C-suite, teaching executives what they need to know for media management in their organizations, and for improving their professional online presence. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Kiki. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here today because I think that this is a remarkable topic for those of you who are listening and for those of you who might be able to listen to this later. And I have a question for you. What are the goals for your career? What do you need to do to be more successful? And how do you get to a place where you feel more accomplished, whatever that means to you, whether it means uh, you're able to provide for yourself, for your family, for your parents. For many of us, we've been raised on the idea that there are only two options if you want to be successful, that you can work like a dog for someone else as their employee, or you can take the risk of charging out on your own in some sort of grand entrepreneurial effort. But what I'm going to talk to you about today is a third option. It's called intrapreneurship. And, you know, it's, it's flawed thinking that leads us to believe that there are limitations to our choices. And as we look at the entrepreneurial way this afternoon, I'm hoping that you're going to identify some ideas that will help you to become more successful no matter where you are or whom you're working for, that these key elements are going to drive you to achieve higher and in a way that you'll find more meaningful. So as I'm going through, I'm hoping, hoping, (laughs) crossing my fingers, that you have the slide deck in front of you. Some resources uh, have been sent your way. And so uh, if you have those in front of you, if you have those resources in front of you that were emailed out to you earlier, on page two of the slide deck, you're going to see a reference to this fun sheet. I've created for you, and and you can fill this out as we go along in the presentation. 
And absolutely, yes, roll your eyes if you want to. I call it a fun sheet because we all work every day. And I'd like to believe that when we take time to honor ourselves and our professional development, then in a way, that's fun, right? It's it's for us, right? No, <laughs> so, so, fun sheet it is. And so if you haven't um, printed it out, please print it out. If you haven't filled, uh, printed it out, then fill, uh, fill out a piece of paper or type into your screen as we go along because I know that the distractions of this world will fight for your attention during this call. And I can only try to engage you with my content and my voice. So the rest of this will depend on you being able to stay on with me and taking notes along the way. And hopefully uh, what I say, this content will provide you with some insights later after we've gone through everything. You'll be able to look back at your notes and, um, you know, glean some valuable nuggets from that. So why is an entrepreneur like myself, talking to you about intrapreneurship. It may seem like an odd pairing. Um, Lisa mentioned some of the different types of things I'm involved in professionally, and working for myself is something I've been doing since 2012. But most of my career, I've been working for someone else, for other organizations, and sometimes I wish I could still be working for some of those other organizations, and I'll explain why in a little bit, but for now, you should know that I acted very much as an entrepreneur during my time with my employers, and I became a valuable asset to them and, in fact, still have great relationships with them even now. That's where I created a name for myself and for their companies and associations while I was still working for them in a way that was helpful to us all. But maybe it's too, too soon, too soon to go into more about my story what I want to do now is define for you what an entrepreneur really is. So on slide four, there's a definition that I love by the person who's considered to be one of the founders of this concept. His name's Gifford Pinchot. He's Gifford Pinchot III. Um, but Pinchot, along with his wife, wrote a paper all the way back in 1978, and it was picked up and spread like wildfire until it became a book called Entrepreneuring in 1985. And he said that entrepreneurs are dreamers who do, those who take hands-on responsibility for creating innovation of any kind within a business. And actually the part I love the most is the very beginning. Entrepreneurs are dreamers who do. But I want you to think about that for a second. Dreamers who do. What, is, what does that mean, right? <laughs> so the most noteworthy scientists, artists, even those at the forefront of risk management, if you can believe it, have had to have a vision. But then, not just the vision, you guys, but then the ability to apply that vision to something tangible. So this means to be the type of person who has an owner's mind so that you can care enough to ask deeper questions. You can care enough to challenge assumptions. And, yes, to be the dreamers who do. So right now, I can't, I can't hear from all of you right now, but does all of this sound very woo-woo and out there and, like, touchy-feeling? I don't want you to be fooled by thinking that I'm talking about um, so-called soft skills that are somehow supposed to be maybe less meaningful than hard skills like like coding. Um, 
as we talk about entrepreneurship more, I think you'll see why you need to be part of this session today, why it's so important that you're here and that you're learning more about entrepreneurship. Because the truth is, and if you go to uh, slide five is what we're on, the truth is your employer desperately needs innovation. Uh, Right now, according to Deloitte, in the next 10 years, 50% of the S&P 500 will be replaced by digital disruptors. And as Pinchot says on his blog, your employers need you to bring in information from the edge, out beyond where corporations are comfortable, and figure out what it means in terms of what the corporation can do to remain relevant, to do what matters, to get the jump on what comes next. They need your courage to keep exploring. They need the right kind of crazy, wild, but sensing how to connect aspirations to the possible. Really um, uh, great, great blog, great writer, so you should definitely check uh, out his website. I have resources at the end of this, but if you have um, if you have the slide deck in front of you, you'll be able to access those resources. Uh, but how many of you right now feel like you're in that vital role where you're actively making a difference in that advancement and innovation of the organization that you're working for. Maybe you're working for a company, and um, do you feel like you are, man, every day you show up, you are on fire, and you are in it. You are in it to win it. You are, like, keeping on top of everything that's going on. Um, I would guess, you know, day-to-day it varies, but for some of you, you're probably feeling less than inspired, right? One of the major keys to workplace satisfaction has been shown to having to be having a sense of purpose for the work that you do. So you want to have a sense of purpose, and that usually means something beyond a paycheck. Um, so your employer needs your innovation, and that can give you the meaning and motivation you need to push beyond the limitations of your job description. So why did your employer need your innovation? Well, we talked about how things are changing. There's disruption everywhere. It's no surprise to anyone when I mention the changes that machine learning and artificial intelligence are making to industry after industry. If your job's one that is based solely on analytics that could be done by AI one day, then it can be shipped overseas or done by machine. And so it's the more human traits that we all have, um, it's the creative and the curious that cannot be so easily replicated that we need to look at developing and applying to some of the analytical processes that we, that we have as part of our jobs every day. Even with the AI program to create, it's still not as easy to replace our creative abilities as humans. So how serious is the need for entrepreneurs today? You know, almost every industry is being or will soon be disrupted by these evolving technologies. We talked about AI. uh, We talked about machine learning. But you've got 3D printing. You've got robotics. You've got online learning. You've got online marketing and social networking. And it's all about disrupt or be disrupted. And you don't want to be roadkill. Right. If you're in an industry that that um, I actually don't know of any industries that are just, 
you know, not being impacted by the shifts in our uh, technology and society today. Um, another reason that acquisition has proved to be no substitute for internal innovation. So, in other words, the world's unstable, you know. Um, even if your company ends up being acquired, it doesn't mean that, that everything's going to stay the way that it is. Um, there can be shakeups. A lot of times employees end up leaving. And so um, that, that's not necessarily the safe place to be. The world's unstable. There's natural disasters. There's hurricanes. There's flooding. There's droughts. Oh, my God. You know, it's, there's so much stuff that's going on. And so there are a lot of changes that are happening, to be sure. And the one thing that you know that you can rely on is your ability as a human to be able to learn, adapt, and create, right? So if you're not so sure about that, and if you're not sure that you're at a place where you feel like um, you're prepared to adapt and change and shift, then investigating this whole concept of entrepreneurship is really important because there are several habits. In fact, we're going to talk about six habits that will help you to become an effective entrepreneur for the place where you are so that you can not only help yourself and develop your capabilities, but help your employer and help your company and maybe, in fact, even help your industry to grow. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Right now, though, if you have that fun sheet in front of you or if you have a piece of paper or if you have, um, you know, if you have one note up in front of you and you want to type into it, um, just Jot down in uh, the little box that should be there the traits that you think you have right now that indicate that you are entrepreneurial. And just quickly answer in uh, the ways that you think that you're entrepreneurial. And we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, the first habit. So, um, and, and this should be really quick. That box, by the way, that, you know, that's a really small little box. So you should just have a few traits and that should be fine. Um, I could go on and on about the massive time suck that social media can be on all of us. But when we hear the latest statistics that our attention spans are even less than that of a goldfish now, we're talking about a bigger problem than Facebook. So habit number one for the entrepreneurial mindset is mastering your time. And I, I put mastering your time rather than time management because mastering your time has a much different feel than just time management, right? Um, mastering your time means that you're recognizing it as the finite resource that you have in front of you. But you shouldn't feel like the clock is always running out on you. You should be able to, you know, figure out how to navigate, maneuver, and um, truly master your time so that you're able to fit in those things that you think are the most, the highest priority, the most important to help you do the things that you need to, to do. And so one of the um, great resources, and I do have it listed uh, at the end of this is this great book by Cal Newport called Deep Work that serves as a testament to the amount of accomplishment that you can have in your professional life and working for an employer by dedicating the best hours of your workday to what Cal Newport calls this deep work. And so I suggest you read or listen to his book 
um, where he, he puts three or four different models for this deep work um, that, that gives you options for dividing up your time and um, gives you examples of the different types of people and the different types of things that they were doing um, during that time. So he brings up Thoreau. He brings up somebody else. It's like uh, in, in our current day. He brings up himself. And he gives several different real-life examples of people who have been able to, you know, um, block out their time um, in these different models. The one thing about uh, this habit, number one, mastering your time, is that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of successful people who have done an excellent job of moving up and becoming essential to their companies, um, they use daily action plans. And there are different ways that they do this, but every single day, they don't go into their workday without a plan. And if you don't have that plan, if you don't have that as a habit, that's something that you you want to consider adding to your everyday activities. Another aspect that they that they have as part of this habit is they avoid distractions. So Cal Newport talks a lot about this uh, in his in his book too. But you know, I, I want to tell you about how your smartphone. I'm going to pick on the smartphone. I love my smartphone, just to be clear, but I also hate it. Um, and it could totally cripple your advancement. We're on slide nine right now if you're, you're following along. Just having your cell phone in the same room, even if notifications are turned off, even if it's on silent, even, you guys, even if it's turned over, it still interrupts your ability to focus. So, um, and they tested this in several, several different tests, right, guys? Um, they tested this, and even having it turned off, but in the same room, will impact your ability to focus compared to those people who are in a room uh, without the cell phone, right? So the object of this habit is to eliminate as many distractions from your day or those deep work hours that you've identified as you can. So right now, I want you to look back at this sheet that I gave you, and I want you to answer right now, in what ways can you master your own time management? You know, maybe you can use this space to write down the very next steps you're going to take to explore deep work. Maybe you can write down uh, the next steps that you're going to take to eliminate distractions. And if you do that right now, just do that right now. Um, Also, research says, I'll just throw this out there, research says that if you write things down as you're going through, um, as you're going through a presentation or you're going through a lesson, you're more, more likely to remember them and you're more likely to do them. So just, you know, trust me on this and write it down if you can. Uh, if there's something important from this particular habit, we're going to move on to the second habit on slide 10. So on slide 10, uh, the second habit is called creative brainstorming. To co-innovate with entrepreneurial firms, your organization needs to come close to matching their ability to experiment, their ability to learn, and their ability to change at warp speed. You know, you hear a lot about Agile. You, you hear a lot about this focus on um, lean startups um, and, and all of this. And, and, and 
there's a good reason for that. And it's because things are going faster and faster, the ability to be able to pivot when you need to, the ability to come up with a minimal viable product, you know, you need to be able to make these small, um, less risky tests or to test your hypothesis if you want to go back to scientific method. You need to be able to um, move quickly. And a lot of larger organizations are challenged with this. Certainly, um, my history with associations and nonprofits, big, huge organizations a lot of times that are that have been around for over 100 years, you know, and they don't move the fastest all the time. And so there's a challenge with that. And um, in a lot of cases, you'll find that it's like, who can, who can move faster? You want to be effective, though. And you can only be an effective partner to these, you know, any, any uh, entrepreneurial firms or anyone you're working with if the relationships are managed on your organization side by entrepreneurs who are free to act rapidly. So in developing yourself as an entrepreneur, you know, your goal is to not only inspire trust in the management above you and to prove yourself by, by putting forth these different ideas, but it's it's to be able to once they have that faith for you to identify those those opportunities. Now before we get there though, you have to be able to identify those opportunities. You have to be able to come up with good ideas. You have to figure out, you know, how you're able to um, identify tools and activities and opportunities that are in front of you that might transform the projects you're working on, the people you're working with, the teams you're working with. So the second habit is called creative brainstorming, um, but it doesn't mean sitting around the table and trying to wait for inspiration to hit or demanding that everyone add their ideas to an idea box. Your second habit is really about developing your ability to be creative and to identify um, these tools and activities so that you can do that. But there's already frameworks that exist where you learn how to do that. So that makes this a lot easier. Um, the, the bottom line of this is that you want to explore these different ways to challenge assumptions and investigate possibilities. And I have that on um, slide 11. So there are two resources I would suggest that you check out after this if you're interested in, in developing um, this aspect of your entrepreneurial habits. Um, you can check out Creative Confidence, Unleashing the Creative Potential Within Us All by Tom Kelly and David Kelly. They're brothers, and they're the guys behind IDEO and, um, the, and really behind this design thinking framework. And you can also check out something called, it's a book called The Accidental Creative, How to Be Brilliant at a Moment's Notice by Todd Henry. Um, but what I want you to think about right now is this is a test to see if you are already where you need to be with this, this creative brainstorming habit. So ask yourself, how many questions do you ask a day? How often do you Find yourself assuming that you know an answer without really knowing. Another question you might ask is, how often do you take a project or a problem that you're working on and give yourself a little creative wiggle room to explore different approaches or different ways to think about it? How many questions can you come up with 
for the way that you're managing your role in that project and how might you make it better? Um, when you ask yourself these, these questions, if the answer that comes back is, I don't have time for it, that should be a red flag to say, I mean, it might be true, right? We, we you know, are worried about uh, managing our time effectively, but we want to master our time. And we also need to know when it makes sense to slow down enough to ask the right questions and ask better questions. So you want to think about how you might foster creativity in your work, whether it's scheduling time to think or time to focus on a particular project or problem. Maybe you want to take a deeper dive into one of the resources I mentioned. Um, you know, maybe it's something where you want to explore a framework like design thinking. But right now, uh, before we move on to habit number three, I want you to write down very quickly what are some things that you can do um, to foster creativity in your work. And so as you are writing those down, I'm going to move on to slide 13. We're talking about habit number three, and that's intentional learning. I use the word intentional here rather than the word incidental, which is how most of us take in our learning. You know, it just happens that we, we, we learn, right? We, we just happen to see that thing flash across the TV, or we just happen to see, um, that article, you know, on our, you know, and we, we, just learn incidentally or by conversation. But intentional learning is something different. And it's something that we have to train ourselves to do, to be these lifelong learners purposefully. How do we do that? Well, uh, you're off to a great start by participating in today's call. So bonus points there. One of the reasons that this is so important is because your employer and you, everyone will benefit when you stay on top of the latest industry development. Staying on top of this stuff is not, should not only be on the shoulders of the, the people at the very top. It should not just be the CEO who's thinking about this or the COO or, you know, anyone in the C-suite. This is something that anyone who, who plays a role in the organization and who truly has this entrepreneurial, intrapreneurial mindset um, something that they should be aware of, something that they need to stay on top of, because how can you possibly have great ideas or innovative ideas to offer or even know the direction in which um, it might be best to take that next project or work with that next client if you're not staying on top of that? So I'm not assuming that, that those on the call aren't. I'm just saying that that is a, a piece of this intentional learning that you need to be aware of. And so, um, so in staying on top of industry developments, I have to tell you, I have a great example of, of when someone who's really super smart and really on top of their game at one point, um, who doesn't have an entrepreneurial mindset where, how things might turn out, right? So when I started working at, uh, one particular association, there was a, this tall guy in the mailroom who sort of owned the mailroom. He was like the, the mailroom dude. I don't know, king, I, whatever. I don't even know what his title was, but he didn't seem like an operations kind of person. And so every time I walk by this mailroom, you know, he was kind of, you know, the, the guy who was the, the head of that domain. And what I later discovered was that he had been there forever. He had stories from people who had been there for years and years. 
that he had been an early IT guy for this association that was over 100 years old. He wasn't over 100 years old, the association was. He had been operating computers, their computers, when they took up entire rooms, plural. And when the technology changed and his skills didn't, he ended up pushing envelopes around in the mailroom. And so I share that, not to disparage mailrooms. They're great. You know, I'm sure that, you know, they have their own um, excitement and allure. Um, I, I'm not saying that to disparage the man stuffing the envelopes either. Um, but one might guess that he was not of an entrepreneurial mindset or he wasn't focused on this innovation and growth in either the IT field or for the organization itself. So bottom line on this one, keep on top of industry trends and predictions, keep your skills sharp, and always be looking for ways to be that intentional learner. And there's a second part to this, and that is you want to learn inside and outside of your expertise. I want to give you an and to consider for my last story there. Um, Yes, keep your skills sharp, but don't forget to explore and learn in ideas outside of your industry or your expertise. You know, I, and I have a picture here of, you know, all these seeds and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm testing out my gardening skills, with, of which I have none, but um, there is stuff growing. Thankfully, it's been raining quite a bit here in the D.C. area. Um, things are growing, right? I'm testing, you know, I'm reading stuff I've never read before. Um, and exploring this area. Now, what does this possibly have to do with your professional development, and why am I sharing these seed packets? Um, and now you know I'm trying to grow lilies and, and lavender and kale. Um, I don't even like kale. Why am I sharing this with you? Because you need to explore and learn in areas outside your industry or your expertise so that you can apply that knowledge to other areas, to your professional life, but also, also research shows that when you're learning in other areas, you are actually able to grow smarter in the areas in which you already have expertise. Did you know that? Is that not crazy? Um, there's a great book, another resource that's listed at the back. It's um, how to how to learn like how to think like Leonardo da Vinci is the name of it, and it's by Michael Gelb, and he is a juggler. He's also Michael Gelb is an expert on um, the subject of of Leonardo da Vinci, and so in going through that, he talks about these different aspects to think more like Leonardo da Vinci, and part of the research that's in there um, that he explored was some of these experiments that were done that had to do with learning in totally unrelated fields, but the impact that that had on um, a person's ability to test in the field in which they were, they were already, um, you know, practicing. They were already an expert. And learning in these different areas in, increased their cognitive ability so that they tested higher. So that's all to say that you never know where your next best idea is going to come from, and usually it's when your brain is taking a break from those things that are that you're actively working in all the time. And so you need to learn inside and outside of your expertise. So um, look at your fun sheet really quickly. Make a note of the channels and ways you're keeping up on 
uh, your information in your industry. And then also write down if there's something that you want to learn about that is maybe in an unrelated field that might be something to, you know, be able to explore that would provide something outside of your expertise that could sort of fuel your cognitive ability. All right. So habit number four, and we're just charging through here. This is great. So embracing collaboration. Uh, the reason why collaboration is so important is because today very little gets done without collaborating with colleagues, with clients, with partners, and approaching all of these relationships with curiosity. Um, you get into trouble in all kinds of ways when you don't, when you assume and when you don't ask enough questions. And so the history of innovation shows that, um, you know, and I, again, this, you can look at this resource by Stephen Johnson. There's this really great book uh, called Where Good Ideas Come From. And it talks about the history of innovation, right? So the history of innovation um, shows these different high moments in human's history, in human history, when um, we were able to push forward very dramatically because of the ways that people connected. Obviously, we're living in the middle of amazing um, connection because we've been able to connect through uh, quickly through the Internet. And so I can talk to somebody in any field, in any location around the world, and it's like magic. Uh, but before this, you know, there was also this surge of innovation that happened when coffee houses opened up and they became sort of the thing in Europe. And suddenly you had, in a time when you didn't have the telephone, in a time when you didn't have the Internet, suddenly you had this place that brought people from all different classes and it brought people from all different industries and all different types of specialties, and scientists and artists and all of these people ended up coming together into these large coffee houses where they'd end up in discussions with each other. And suddenly, uh, innovation would happen because what one person was, um, you know, studying about birds might impact what this scientist was working on that had to do with um, flight, you know. And so... It was um, it was an incredible time, and it is a testament to what we are able to do when we collaborate and purposefully ask questions and develop relationships and approach those relationships um, with this collaborative uh, sort of frame of mind. And so that is the entire point of this habit number four, which is all about embracing collaboration. If you'll move on with me now to habit number five, uh, that's seeking constructive criticism. This is never anybody's favorite thing to do. Um, and if you have recently gone through or um, can imagine a time when you have gone through any kind of evaluation, you know how painful this can be. Um, However, it's very important that you should always seek constructive criticism. I'll tell you an example of when I went through this and, you know, just one way that you can do this. You want to seek clarity on your strengths and weaknesses. Years and years ago, uh, and this is when I first worked at a consulting firm 
um, that was right after my last association job, right? I went to work for this consulting firm and I got curious about this. I thought, hmm, I wonder what other people think about my abilities. You know, I had the suspicion that there were certain weaknesses that I had. I had the suspicion that I had these certain strengths, but I just didn't know, right? How can you ever really know for sure? Your friends are going to tell you the things that keep you happy. Your enemies are going to tell you the things that don't. You know, how do you know for sure? And so um, one of the things that I participate in is this thing called 360-degree reach. It's uh, I don't even know. Like, I guess they still do this but it was a product that was put out by William Aruda. And um, he's all about, like, personal branding and stuff like that. But what this, what this was was they were, like, general questions you could put together, and they would – they sort of managed this for you. His company would manage this for you. And the technology would push out and make it anonymous who was answering these questions back, but you would create the list for them. And it had to be a certain number so that it wouldn't be too easy to pinpoint who had said what, right? But it could be a list of former clients, current clients, um, you know, colleagues. You could include friends if you wanted, but they had this list of recommendations um, of who you should uh, invite to participate in this. And so I participated in it. And I, you know, I was hopeful that I was going to get a little more clarity on what exactly my strengths and weaknesses were. And, you know, I got the most interesting, interesting feedback um, at the time from that when, and of course, you know, as soon as you send this out, you're, you're really nervous. You're like, what am I going to hear back? I got the, the stuff back. I got the responses back. And my weaknesses, uh, they're, I found out that um, they probably weren't, I, I didn't think, you know, I probably thought that they were worse than they were, but they did come up, you know, so I knew those were areas that I needed to grow in. There were a couple of recommendations from people um, who, you know, indicated areas in which I could improve, but mostly I found out more about my strengths and finding out about those strengths allowed me to I guess not. I had tested my faith in that and got validation. And the validation allowed me to more confidently move forward with, okay, I, I feel confident in saying I'm a creative person because that's what I, I got back from everybody else is kind of what I suspected. I also got confirmation that timeliness is an issue. That's something I need to work on. And so, um, so seeking clarity on strengths and weaknesses in whatever way you do that, whether you are open and listening and looking to apply that constructive criticism that you receive, or whether it's something that you, you use something like a, a 360 degree reach. And I'm, I'm sure there are all kinds of different types of solutions like that out there. Um, and I don't have any sort of connection with them right now. So like no affiliate marketing or anything there. Uh, but something like that might be an answer for you if you're looking for clarity on what those strengths and weaknesses are and how you can improve. And so habit number six uh, of, of creating an entrepreneurial mindset is leading a healthy lifestyle. Habit number six is not meant to be an eat your vegetables because they're good for you kind of throwaway piece of advice 
Our minds work better when we're well-rested, when we're hydrated, and when we're living a healthy lifestyle. That's just the truth of it. We now know that those who participate in exercise before uh, they go into a meeting or before they sit down to take a test, their minds work faster. Um, They usually get through um, tests quicker, more quickly, and they are um, uh, and usually test higher. So that's something that you want to be aware of, that it's not just for appearance. It's not just about other people's perceptions. But it's also about are you an effective leader? You know, are you effective at your job? Are you operating at an optimal level? So this entrepreneurial mindset, um, you are able to be thinking about how you can become that greater, more creative engine uh, for that organization that you're working for so that you yourself are going to have more satisfaction. So is your employer and maybe so so is the industry. So now that you've heard these different habits, what are you thinking about um, as far as the, the habits that have resonated with you the most and why? You know, what is, it, what is the question uh, that you have now for me so that um, – I can help you to figure out what some of those next steps might be. You need to commit to your next action because, and this, if you go, um, I guess, slide 24, if you go to slide 24, um, I want you to commit to your next action. If you want to share or, or mark it down or, or somehow share a victory or, or whatever with me on Twitter or Instagram, um, I have my Instagram and Twitter handle on there at Kiki Italia. But um, you need to commit to your next action. Um, what we've seen over and over again is that without making a commitment, without writing out those next steps and saying what you're going to be doing, um, it's most likely not going to happen. So while it's not listed as an entrepreneurial habit, it is something that is a habit for success, and that is writing out what your next steps are and committing to taking those next actions. So what are you going to do next? Um, On slide 25, you'll see that there's a list of different resources that you're able to take a look at and go through. And with that, I want to go ahead and open up to your questions and say thank you. Thank you for listening to this so far. And um, and I'm curious to hear what some of your questions might be from this session. So, uh, Devin, if you're on, if you're ready to go, if you have any questions for me, let me know. Absolutely. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad now. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, you can press star 1 now if you'd like to ask a question. And we'll pause for just a moment to allow everyone an opportunity to signal. We have like some sort of hold music here. <laughs> they come. We'll take our first question from Mr. Brett Whale. Hi, Go this ahead, is sir. Brett Whale. Hi, uh, Thank you so much, Kiki. Brett Weil here with M&T Bank. Uh, you talked very nicely about our role as the professional and as the entrepreneur, but it, you know, you, it sort of has to be mutual. And right. you know, we're in 
we're in an organization where we're bankers in credit departments, many of us, and, you know, large uh, kind of old line organizations. So you sort of need both sides to mm-hmm. to buy in. I didn't hear you address that, you know, yes. how do you oh. deal with a culture. Yes. Oh, culture. Oh, culture issues. Boy, that's a whole other hour. And I'm so glad you asked this question. So, yeah, um, absolutely. You could be the best entrepreneur in the world, but what happens when uh, the culture is not allowing for it, right? And a lot of Mm -hmm. times, especially if you're working in a a risk-averse sort of industry, um, a lot of times you're going to run into that. And let me tell you, like, I, I did. I worked in these, like, these organizations that were scared to death of upsetting the boards. They're scared to death of upsetting just the way that things have always been done, right? And so um, the best way that you can go about doing that, and it's, it's something that Pinchot calls social proof, right? Um, he talks about going through and providing the social proof by doing um, three things. And he talks about you want to um, ex- show uh, what is like what you're proposing. So find an example out in the world of something that's similar to the concept that you're proposing. Um, he talks about uh, study study what it makes uh, what makes it work in practice. So people are going to need to know well how do they how can we do that. How does that actually work in the real world? And so the more that you can, um, if you have, like, say, a concept or an idea or, you know, you're wanting to try something different, um, one of the things that you can do is that you can, you know, show them what makes it work for this other example and ways that you Mm -hmm. can approach it. And basically approaching it, like I mentioned before, with that owner's mindset, and it's, it's, already starting to figure out how you would make it work if you could. And then another way to do it is um, explaining your idea as an extension of what's already working. So this is that iteration piece of things. So innovation, um, in that book by Stephen Johnson, he talks about this too, that a lot of times innovation is not like the big um, eureka moment, but it's like it's actually iterations of something that's already existed. And that's something that can make things a lot easier for people to go with is if you show them how it's just an extension of what is already being done. So that's like another version of, you know, if we take this a little bit further and it sort of eases them into change. But culture change is no joke, man. I am not even going to sit here and say that, um, that it's going to be easy breezy and you're not going to have any problems. But what I will say is on a case-by-case basis, if you're an individual, you have an entrepreneurial mindset, you see things that can be better, then your next challenge, if you're, if you're in an area where you're going to struggle or find you know, people pushing back, is then to figure out how to get heard and how to how to get your idea further along. And then once you have that trust, once you've shown time and time again, then you're going to, you're going to be recognized. Um, and you're going to show that you have the performance that, that you'll have more faith in your abilities, not just you, but I mean, they'll, they'll have more faith in your abilities. And if they don't, 
then sad to say it may be that, you know, someone else does. But but the thing is, is that you can't – I think that if you're the person that wants to succeed, there's no way that you can let go of some of these habits so that for your own good, for your own well-being, and hopefully for the, the well-being of, of the company that you're working for, that you keep trying. Yeah, <laughs> that was we'll helpful. Next question from Mr. Josh Friesen. Go ahead, sir. Hi, this is Josh Reason from uh, Prospera Credit Union. Um, just had a question around, uh, I believe you talked about uh, time scheduling and avoiding distractions. Uh, that definitely mm. resonates, uh, especially on the, the smartphone side. But um, in terms of, so if, if we're in that entrepreneurial um, role and we're especially getting involved in projects where there's a lot of uh, it's an open open ended. There's not really an answer to that project. It's it's you know research based or it's something new that your organization has never done before. I find it difficult, especially to um, to schedule out that time or to give people accurate estimates of when projects will be completed or yeah, just making uh, you know set time for yourself uh, within schedule. So would you have any tips for either scheduling time on those big open-ended projects and for estimating when, you know, tips for um, estimating when those will get completed because I know it's a... Yes. Okay, that is a tough thing. And I I don't know a whole lot about the types of projects that you might be facing. So, I mean, talk about not having any idea. I really don't. But, but... What I will tell you that's helped me immensely with this is the design thinking framework. So that book that I was recommending, um, and there's, they have all kinds of different, there are all kinds of different resources out there about design thinking. But if you haven't explored that framework, that is totally what that's all about. I mean, it started out as being for designers, but you can apply it to any industry. I use it in all of my consulting work now. And, um, and the thing is, is that it is where you're approaching a project or, or even a concept and you're like, okay, so how are we going to break this down? The good thing about it is that um, once you learn a little bit more about that framework, then it becomes easier to, to sort of um, estimate. And you'll be surprised. I mean, sometimes you might be, wrong, you know, and you'll have to extend what you're doing, but you'll be surprised by how much can be accomplished once you just have some some clear ideas about what you need to get done all along the way and, and those milestones you need to hit. But, you know, it's like if you don't ever have that target, you know, how are you going to hit it? And for me, um, I remember back in the, my early days, it was all about Gantt charts and stuff like that, which just, I mean, I'm sorry for those of you who probably um, there are some I know that exist that love Gantt charts. I kind of like the idea of how they look when they all look like they're they're doing what they're supposed to do, but mine never did. And um, I think that for me, the design uh, thinking framework works better for when there's an unknown out there and you are trying to to explore the best way to do something. If that makes sense, I just think everybody should learn it too. I, I think that um, I think that design thinking is a, a you know there's these different steps. I, I think everybody should at least try it and apply it to a project and see what happens because it forces you to challenge your assumptions and oftentimes takes you in new places. I hope that's helpful. I'm, 
Josh, I, I, I wish I could give you software that would help, but that's I'm going to give you a framework. <laughs> that's very helpful. Thank you. Okay, design thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll go ahead with our next question from Ido Francisco. Oh, hi. Uh, I'm from uh, the Risk Management Association. I'm a student uh, member, actually. So uh, my question is for the uh, intentional learning uh, opportunity. So basically, I'm going to take my own example because I'm majoring in accounting and so on, but I wanted to uh, develop and improve my uh, coding skills and so on and learning how to, like, do uh, the computer gigs and so on. And the question is, uh, how do I have to do that? Do I have to do it through NNA? Or should I uh, get like one or two hours with uh, a specialist in in that particular domain to work with? Which one is the best way to do it? Like if you're trying to learn other things. Oh, gosh. Um... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you know. Um, I wish I did, and I would give you the best advice I could if I if I knew, but I I don't know. Um, so for your particular question, I, I don't know enough about uh, what you have to do to get where you're going to give you the best answer, but what I can tell you just you know, based off of whenever I, I am approaching something where I need to learn something intentionally and I and I am trying to achieve it by a certain time frame, um, I would go back to this Cal Newport idea of blocking out the time and I would look at what are my, my best hours. I'm, I'm not sure if, um, you know, I'm not sure enough about, uh, like, what the different um, – aspects are of what you're trying to do um, to, to, like, qualify this very well. But I will say that, that blocking out the time on a regular basis um, to achieve what you're trying to achieve is the best way, and you need to do it at a time when you're your most focused. Now, with that said, um, I realize that a lot of people have families or other jobs or, you know, I have a daughter, I have a husband, I have a dog, you know, like I have all this other stuff that I've got to do. So if I'm going to fit in some things, sometimes um, for growth and for learning, sometimes I can't fit that in in my best hours. And at those times, if I know it's for a, um, you know, a specific finite period of time, I will kind of burn the candles at both ends. I'll say, okay, this is going to be the worst month of for my brain, like, ever, but I'm going to cram this in at night after everybody's asleep, and I'm going to do this. And I have, guys. I've, I've taken um, these online courses and done these tests at night by the glow of my laptop, so not great for the healthy lifestyle at the end, right? But um, I've done that, and I've made it work because that's what I had to do. But I only did it because I knew that that's what I had to do for that, um, to achieve that goal, and that I only had to do it, and this is what I kept telling myself the whole time, that I only had to do it for that short amount of time, that finite period of time. And then once it was done, I'm like, yeah, okay, so that is that is done. But um, that's my best advice for you, Ito. I wish I could give you better. 
Thank you. Well, I just want to say again, uh, thank you, Kiki, for uh, being on this call with us today and sharing your insights, your expertise, um, your perspective on this topic, which seems to be one that is just becoming more and more important in, in ways to differentiate um, ourselves and, and again, uh, grow from within our businesses, our companies that we work for. Um, a lot of good resources and just want to encourage uh, our audience out there to um, share this with other YPs in your RMA chapters. The audio conferences are recorded and are added to the website so you can go back and access this information. And if there are uh, ideas, topics, presenters that you would like to hear from in the future, please reach out to one of your mentors or one of the RMA HQ contacts in the future. But again, Kiki, really appreciate your time and uh, just want to say thank you.